warning. What you are about to hear is a really loud Catholic dude. After all, he ain't called the Forte Catholic for nothing. So relax your grip on the steering wheel. Pull your headphones away ever so slightly. Secure any loose articles and muffle Junior's ears because it's time to make Catholicism fun again on the Forte Catholic Show with Taylor Schroll on Red Sea Catholic Radio. the Red Sea Radio Intergalactic Studios, joined by our favorite Italian correspondent, our favorite commie, Sean McAfee. How are you, Sean? Doing good. Did you get the volume levels there good? <laughs> what do you mean? You had a lot of pauses in saying that, like you were trying to think about what you were saying. Well, I was deciding whether or not I wanted to call you a commie or not. Sometimes I we think g- about what I say. We got it. Sean, he's a guy. He's a I've guy. been traveling. All, I've been traveling all weekend too. Well, let, let's compare. Okay, we, we shall compare. Uh, I went to the Dallas Ministry Conference, so I drove three hours to Dallas, four and a half hours from Dallas to my hometown, and then three hours back to my house. Did you travel more than that? We had a three and a half hour train ride, uh, about an hour on the bus slash metro, and then one uh, one half hour in an Uber. So maybe equitable, but I didn't have to concentrate on driving since that was a train driver's job. Yeah, I win. I definitely win. I did the math, and it, it's here. You heard it here first. I have defeated Sean McAfee in a game that absolutely doesn't matter. So uh, <laughs> I was I was doing conference stuff and hanging out with my family. So I had an absolute blast. But you did something very special, my friend. Uh, you went to Rome, and uh, you got to see some saints, I hear. Yeah, I was hanging out with my family. Um, I got to go to the canonization mass of John Henry Newman and uh, four others, and met a lot of different people from all across the world. I learned more about those uh, other saints than I thought I would, and, uh, and got to spend some real quality time with my family. I went to the Pope Paul VI canonization last year and really kind of covered that as a correspondent, but also there, obviously, for the faith. Um, but this year, we got seats almost right up front. Uh, it was very, very, very special and rewarding. So, But exhausting. Exhausting. Here's my, my first question. So you, you said that it was the canonization of St. John Henry Newman and four other people. How upset would you be if you lived the life of a saint and everybody was like, there was one person more famous than you. Like, think about being the second most popular saint of those other four. Like, yeah. and and you're just like, well, there's the canonization of this really famous person and the, these other four. Like, how would you feel personally if you became a saint, but like you were just like the the companions or the other people thrown on, tacked on to the canonization? Yeah. So I, I learned this, uh, there's this other saint, her, I can, probably can't pronounce it right, but I'll, I'll try to Anglicanize it, which means turn it into English for people like Taylor with a first grade education, which you're going to learn I during thought, the episode. I thought you were trying to make it a different denomination. <laughs> She's not an Anglican saint. 
She's like, so there's this, uh, I met the grandson, the great grandson of one of the saints that was canonized uh, and, and she's Indian. So she belongs. So he could be, you know, anywhere within her family lineage. Obviously she died as a consecrated person of religious habit, but her name is Miriam Treze, like Therese. And she had this, um, she's called the saint or the apostle of the family. And she, uh, just this really cool life. She was, um, she took orphans in, she ministered to families who were too poor to really provide for themselves. I learned all about this. And what I learned at this, uh, at this canonization better than I did last year, which I I had the same thought as you, like who can go up here and be canonized with Pope Paul VI, right? A Pope. Right. And I felt that way when I was learning about the canonizations of like John the 23rd before him and Pope John the Paul II before him and mother Teresa before him. And so on. But what I realized is like the, the people that go to these canonizations, they had no clue who even John Henry Newman was. They were there for their saint, you know? And so there was one from Brazil. There was one from Switzerland. There was one from India. And, and for example, they did the gospel reading in Hindi. You should go back on Vatican news. I posted it on, on, uh, on, uh, the Vatican news replay of the canonization mass on Twitter. You should go back and watch that, uh, that gospel reading in Hindi. It's, it's the most beautiful thing I've ever heard at a mass. Um, but the point is, is that no, I don't, I don't think these people would probably feel bad or feel weird that, you know, people didn't care about their saint. They were there for their saint and not for anybody else's. And they, they really probably didn't read up on, on who else was being canonized. They probably were John Henry who. Oh, good. Well, good. Because John Henry, who is the person I have questions about because he's supposed to be our saint. And all I know about him is that uh, he has a bunch of centers at Catholic schools that are supposedly very good campus ministries at Catholic universities here. I don't actually know all that much about the man. So I know about as much as uh, about St. John Henry Newman as I do about those other saints. Like the only thing that helps me out is he has three names and I know all of them. So other than that, I really don't know much about him. So uh, bequeath your great knowledge upon the, oh, great servant of the Lord. I will try to do it justice. John Henry Newman was pretty much a controversial figure in England in the 19th century, around the mid 19th century, the conversion of Catholicism. Um, after becoming a cleric in the English, Anglican, uh, well, in, in Anglicanism, in the Anglican church. You're being very um, confusing so now. Priest. You're using the word Anglican in so many different ways, and it's confusing everyone. It's true. It just means English. So in the Church of England, he became a priest, and he studied his way into Oxford University at a very young age, and he became very influential, along with many others, in this movement called the Oxford Movements. And what they wanted to do was they wanted to bring a lot more of the historical charters of the church into Anglicanism. Well, they became kind of fed up with the fact that they weren't really getting anywhere with, with the evidence of the historical teachings of the church that they were bringing to the people within their hierarchy. And so a lot of them stepped away from the church. Um, and that, that's what spurred him to write his most famous work, Apologia Provita Sua, which uh, is Latin. It means, uh, means uh, defense of a life. And so it's this big, long uh, treatise against this letter that uh, another person had written against him, a public letter. So he wrote a public letter in the form of about a million words um, back to, and it's not a million, it's about 80,000, back to this gentleman. Um, that was 
published in 1864. And from then on, he went on to become probably one of the most influential systematic dogmatists of the church ever. Um, he's a great theologian. I don't think he's the most influential ever. Somebody recently compared him to um, the likes of St. Thomas Aquinas. He's definitely up there. Um, obviously, his holiness um, was is discovered in his process of canonization. Um, miracles, of course, were sought after too, but just a highly controversial figure. Um, and, uh, and, and, and it's actually pretty remarkable recently um, people from the uh, English Parliament and even the uh, I think it's Prince Charles. I don't I don't follow all that. <laughs> I don't follow all that reality stuff. I guess, but Prince Charles. Um, uh, he's not a reality star. He's a well. <laughs> he's a royal. He's part of the royal family. <laughs> you say that. You say that. But in in Europe, those are the reality stars. So th those are like the cover of every single newspaper. What are they wearing? What are they doing this week? So, um, but Prince Charles was there at the canonization. Um, I got, to, I got to see him. Uh, he didn't walk down the steps to meet me or anything. I was pretty saddened by that, but they all provided these wonderful quotes on how influential this man was. And I, I thought it was really cool. Um, it, it, it made me yearn for something deeper though. And that, that would be obviously, uh, what John Henry Newman wanted was really like a unification of these churches. I turned to my wife during the mass and I said, we don't even need Anglicanism anymore. I mean, the the, the religions aren't too far apart. Um, they're starting to come closer together more than more than they used to be. Um, you know, the reasons that there ever were there, you know, with the uh, Henry VIII, you know, controversy and whatnot, I think is totally diminished. It it saddens me that that we still have to have this conversation of of you know having no unity. Um, but anyways, that's, that's John Henry Newman. I know I flew off on a tangent. There. Yeah, I was like, I, I had a follow-up question and then I forgot the first eight follow-up questions because you did an entire radio show in about three minutes on your own little soliloquy there. I'm so sorry. First of all, it's hilarious to me that two Catholics who are married, two American Catholics living in Italy in Rome just decided Anglicanism doesn't need to exist anymore. It's like, we should tell the Anglicans. like They, sh they should be in on this decision-making process. I also like how you... Uh, I did see your tweet about somebody saying that John Henry Newman was one of the greatest theologians ever. Like, why'd you have to go after this guy the week he got canonized? You're like... Oh, let's slow down. He's not that great. It's like, why'd you have to go after the guy and say he's not that great of a theologian the day he's getting canonized? What's what's wrong with you? I think so. That was Bishop Barron. I'm not going to hide it. He he on his. I'm a I'm a subscriber to all of his his uh, email notifications, and so it, he has this new course, and and I, I'm sure it's really great. Um, but it, the title of the email was the best John Saint John Henry Newman, the best theologian since Thomas Aquinas. And I was like, whoa, like how many people are you forgetting here? I, I don't know. It just surprised me. I felt like it might surprise other people. I just wanted to get people's opinion. Um, you do that thing. You did that thing that uh, is a Sean McAfee trademark that you asked a question very obviously showing how you felt about the whole conversation. How, how yes. do you all feel about this? Because I definitely feel this way. <laughs> As one of my college professors point out, I often poison the water hole. So this was what was so funny to me about it. Do you remember uh, when Kanye West at that award show walked up and like interrupted the Taylor Swift? Yeah, exactly. Interrupted Taylor yeah. Swift and was like, actually, Beyonce had the greatest album of all time. It's like 
Kanye, leave them alone. Like that award is later. Like Beyonce will have her time, but right now we're talking about Taylor Swift. Like let her talk. That's what I felt like you were doing to St. John Henry Newman. You're like, he's a great theologian, but actually Thomas Aquinas was much better. So I thought you felt very Kanye at that moment. And I was like, I was both like frustrated that you were like, 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 Hey, yeah, John Henry Newman, but not too much excitement. But I was also proud of you uh, for acting like Kanye. So like, it was a, it was a love hate uh, moment for me. Um, let's, uh, let's, let's, let's mark that as the only time we make that uh reference between me and Kanye. <laughs> no, no, no. I think it's going to stick now. So, uh, <laughs> did you see, so in the midst of you actually being there, the main thing that I saw other than like pictures from you and I, I actually, very much appreciated the pictures that you posted all over social media about like, because you did have like those almost front row seats to this canonization. I was definitely jealous, but did you see that the Pope tweeted about the canonization? Did you see what was very interesting about that? Yeah, I saw that. That was absolutely hilarious. He hashtag saints. And then whoever, whoever is running the social media there must've just clicked the fleur de lay. No. So this is is how this works. Very Catholic image. They, they, they don't actually pick it. So like Twitter has hashtags to where if it's like famous sports teams, if you do hashtag saints, you type it in. But until you hit send, the Florida lead, like the, the logo for whatever team just pops up. So like this Vatican person tweeting for the Pope has no idea. And they even typed it out. It just said hashtag saints. And then whenever you, you push it out, oh. then the symbol comes. So everybody oh. was like, all my family's Saints fans, they're all in Southern Louisiana. And I here was, <laughs> here was my connection to the Saints this week. Yeah. I actually bet on the Saints to win their game against Jacksonville. And they were losing for a long time. But because the Pope is a Saints fan, they came back. Not only did they win, but they won by enough to cover my bet. I won the bet because of Pope Francis, because the Saints were canonized. And I was very happy about the whole thing. (laughs) Good timing. Thank you, Pope Francis. (laughs) Thank you, Pope Francis. You saved my wallet book. I'm very happy about (laughs) this. We got we got about a minute left, Sean. So, what's the the big takeaway for you? The big takeaway from being there, from traveling to go see like these new saints become saints. Like, what was the big thing that you're going to take away from this? Go to VaticanNews.va and read the lives of these other saints. Saint John Henry Newman, now terrific, wonderful. He was one of the most inspirational figures in my conversion, and I say that with all honesty, hand over heart. Go read VaticanNews.va, read up on the five other saints, or the four other saints that were uh, canonized with him this weekend. Remarkable stories of sainthood and and suffering, real suffering. Two of them are stigmatists. One of them was an orphan. They are just uh, wonderful, wonderful. Go read it. <laughs> Did that sound like Trump? <laughs> no, it was just really funny how you're like, these. they were great people, great reformers, great stigmatists, and orphan. It's like, what do you want to do? Why is that the thing that we had to focus on? But, uh, Sean, I was glad you went to the canonization. Thanks for posting the pictures. Thanks for talking to me about it. And uh, we're going to be talking to someone who is not an orphan, nor a stigmatist, nor a saint. But he's going to be our guest here in the next segment. Jake from State Farm. I mean, man, Fully Alive Ministries. Don't go anywhere. Sean, have you ever been in a commercial before? No. Would you like to be? I don't know. Well, you're already in one, so it's too bad. I didn't ask for permission. I only ask for apologies. I want you to apologize to me. Uh, So um, do you have um, feet that you need to apologize for? 
Yes. Uh, yeah, me too. I have to cover my feet. And the best thing to cover my feet, socks from SockReligious.com. But don't go to that URL because then you won't get the discount. Go to ForteCatholic.com slash socks and you could get the absolute coolest Catholic socks in the entire world. They've got your favorite saints. They've got your favorite church things. Everything that is beautiful is found on feet. That's a weird thing to say, but I'm going to keep it. Sean, do you like socks? Keep your socks on, Taylor. Okay, you heard it here first. That is Sean's opinion on socks. Let's just get back to the show because this is going fantastic. Welcome back to Forte Catholic. Sean is still here. He has not left me yet. And we are here what up? with one of our guests today, Rochelle Lucero. Rochelle, how are you, my friend? I'm pretty good. I'm a little nervous about what's going to happen with you two gentlemen today, but I'm feeling pretty good. I'll remain quiet. Well, <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> that is how our guests like Sean best, and <laughs> you are the first person to be truly honest because I feel like a lot of people... Uh, I feel like the only people that aren't nervous to come on the show are people who haven't listened to the show yet before they come on. (laughs) (laughs) I know. And since I know Sean, it's like, have we prepared a roast for Rochelle before getting on the show? You know? Negative. That's where my head's at. It's not prepared, but it will probably still happen. (laughs) This this is the Roast Taylor show. (laughs) Well, that's not true at all. Sean, you're here. So, Rochelle, you already knew Sean before you even came on. Like, how do you know Sean? I know Sean from Catholic Answers. I used to be with Catholic Answers. That's how I started my podcast, Clumsy Theosis. And Sean is one of the Catholic Answers authors. So I've met him before in person um, at last year's Catholic Answers conference. Um, And he's much different in person than he is over polite emails and such, you know. What? Explain (laughs) yourself. (laughs) He comes across so professional and then you meet him in person and you're like, oh, wow. Okay, hold on. Let me prepare myself for our next exchange. No, I I totally agree with you. You you (laughs) might... Like you might be right because Sean, I think publicly is one of the most professional people I know and privately the opposite, like the third least <laughs> professional person I know. So you're definitely onto something there. Oh God. But definitely authentic. <laughs> All right. She's, I quit. I quit. She said sarcastically. Uh, so uh, <laughs> apparently Sean, what you don't know is that Rochelle was actually dropping like some really interesting jokes against you and you didn't know it because actually her and I prepared a roast for you before we got on the air. <laughs> Let's have it. Yeah, let's get the really nice and sweet Catholic podcaster on and just ruin that image by having her go up against Sean McAfee. (laughs) (laughs) This is probably my last episode, so let it go. Well, good. Better for everyone. So, uh, (laughs) 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 Rochelle, you started this Clumsy Theosis podcast, and I, I have never had more questions about two words in my entire life. First, why would you call yourself clumsy? And secondly, what is a theosis and what zoo did you meet it in? (laughs) Um, Clumsy, it has to do with all of us children of God and how we are in our fallen nature still pursuing a life of holiness, also known as theosis. Theosis is a very ancient Greek word 
that means becoming God-like. It's holiness, it's sainthood, but it's something that's a process. And that's why I prefer to use the word theosis instead of holiness or sainthood. Because when I hear holiness, I feel like someone has, they have it all together already, or they've already achieved something, or it's something that they're actively doing. Where theosis, it's also partly like a grace, you know, like you cooperate with God's grace in order to pursue holiness and go through this ongoing life transformation to become the person that God created you to be, really. And so there's no cookie cutter way to be a saint, as we have seen recently with our five newest canonized saints. They're all so different. And so all of us are supposed to be equally different, if that makes any sense. Now, can you say that like a third grader, just so Taylor can understand? Yeah, I was about to say, like, uh, my first follow-up question on Sean's behalf, really, was because, of course, I understood all of that. On Sean's behalf, I would like to ask, what's the correct way to use that in a sentence? Sean McAfee is a clumsy theosis or Sean McAfee has clumsy theosis? He's clumsily pursuing theosis. Gotcha. Sean McAfee is clumsily pursuing theosis. Say that just two times fast and you'll mess up, I promise. Allegedly. <laughs> or the mic will just get all like sissy because or that's what I call it when you have all like the, the snake slithers and stuff with all the S's there. Well, Unless that's yeah. just my problem podcasting. No. Sissy is Taylor's problem. It's his <laughs> podcast. Yeah, I was about to say, what is happening right now? I'm not, <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Who is this? Can you use that in a sentence? My mic is a sissy and so is Sean McAfee. I, I don't know what we were my going mic, for. My, my mic sounds sissy. <laughs> so, so, like, if you're from, okay, back on. <laughs> if you're from Sicily, are you a sissy Sicilian? That's another hard thing to say. Only if you're a podcasting sissy Sicilian. Yes. Hmm. I'm lost. Well, what's new? Okay, back to your podcast. <laughs> so you're saying that theosis is a word for like holiness that you are growing in, right? Because yes. this idea that holiness is something that can, there can be something unattainable because it's something that somebody else possesses, but theosis is more that process of getting there. Yes, exactly. And holiness is attainable, but for me, like you said, it's something that I feel like it seems more difficult, like it's already been attained. And theosis, I think, is more realistic. It's just like, yes, I am going to falter and stumble every day, all day long, um, but because I am a child of God and because I am supposed to be inheriting that which God has created for me to inherit, which is the kingdom of God, um, then I will get up and pick myself up at every time and continue to follow this road of theosis. My next question is, is also- Is that great enough? Yeah. It, my next <laughs> question is also on Sean's behalf. So what would you call a person who neither has holiness or theosis? I would say that they're lost like because our identity is rooted in God, right? As children of God, we are to inherit the kingdom of God. And we know this from scripture. And if you're not trying to become who you are to fulfill your identity, um, you know, become the person, the saint that God created you to be, then you've, you've lost your identity. Easy for you to say, okay, I got to do this <laughs> podcast once a month with Taylor. That sets me back a few years. <laughs> Sean goes to the canonization yesterday and instantly all that grace disappears because he comes on the show today. <laughs> No uh, kidding. I, I did get home and I was like, you know, that was really neat. I choked up several times, but I don't feel very different. I have more, I have more motivation now, now than ever to be a saint, but I don't feel very different. I think that's the difference in, uh, in theosis, what she's describing. 
by the way, Taylor, is this divinization, this transformative process mm -hmm. of getting there is somewhat clumsy for all of us because we have to be reminded in our humility that in this bag of skin, we are going to be carrying that cross our whole life. And it's going to cause us to fall several times. I got back home from the canonization mass yesterday in Rome, and I, I did feel like extremely clumsy waking up this morning and being already tired of my kids. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I like how we I'm finally still... found something that would, that motivates you, Sean, the thing that motivates you. Now I know this. So like I can continue making fun of you, but like the saints, like they got recognized many, many years after they died. So all I have to do is promise you that 30 to 60 years after you die, I will recognize you publicly as a good person. So that's very well, motivating for you. It'll probably be like one of these medieval saints, like Humbert, you know, he was like one of the leaders of the Dominican order who will never be canonized or like Jordan of Saxony who will never be canonized. It will just be blessed for a thousand years. Be <laughs> he's in heaven, but he's not really special up there. Like <laughs> yeah, we don't want to take the time to really investigate his life. We're going to, we're going to do these other people first. Well, and all of that time I'll still be in purgatory and you'll be the blessed up in heaven. You were mentioning to me as we were getting ready for this, that you saw a connection between uh, theosis and making Catholicism fun again. And I'm still wrapping my mind around this whole idea. So explain it to me like I'm in first grade this time. Oh my gosh. I thought it, that would be so easy for you to get, Taylor. Uh, okay. So, well, that's you... what a lot of people think. And then they meet me in person. <laughs> it's kind of like how you met Sean. He was very different than you thought. Like, you're the smart podcaster. I'm just sitting here like, uh, what? Which I do intend to make closing arguments about, but do the first grade oh. thing. <laughs> <laughs> what what part the part about me being the smart podcaster or him being the <laughs> one sitting there like uh yeah okay. well whichever one just explain it like a first grader for him making catholicism fun again i've noticed that you just talk to real catholics who are just on fire for the lord well real catholics and, and sean okay <laughs> <laughs> does he I'm go in the convert section or does he go in in a section <laughs> that would disclude me from sainthood if I were to say it? Is that We're getting into rules that I don't understand anymore. <laughs> I don't know the rules right. of engagement anymore. So I'm just going <laughs> to shut up and let you answer your question. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, okay. So real Catholics who are just on fire for the Lord pursuing a life of theosis, meaning pursuing becoming who they are created to be. And in order to do this, you have to have a relationship with God. And he then fills you with that grace throughout your life, throughout your prayer life to prompt you with where you are to go, what you're to do, who you're to talk to, how you're supposed to heal, all these different things in your life and your interior life that need to be transformed in order for you to become who you were created to be i.e. a saint. And so you're, you're talking to all these people who are undergoing theosis and in so doing, they're vibrant and they're on fire and they might not all be super big extroverts and just, you know, quick witted like Sean and you, but there's still people who are becoming themselves and they have something about them that's attractive to the rest of the world. And that is making Catholicism fun again. It's being attractive to the rest of the world because you have that inner light, that inner grace, because you are pursuing your life's purpose is to become a saint and who God wants you to be and how he wants you to transform the world. So holiness is not an overnight epidemic? Oh, heck no. And we know this even in scripture. Is it like 28 days later or is it like the walking dead? It's like the walking dead. It's like oh. long and slow and never ending and grueling oh. and tiresome sometimes. Like recording a podcast with Sean. <laughs> <laughs> 
But in in his uh, second letter to the Corinthians, Paul says that we are able to behold the the face of God, which is basically the the glory of the Lord. And we do this and we're changing from one degree of glory to another. So we're changing from one degree of holiness or sainthood to the next. So it's just like this constant transformation that sometimes it seems like nothing's happening in your life and you feel like you're failing as a human being and as a Christian. I know. Because <laughs> no, nobody has turned in the paperwork for servant of God, Sean McAfee. Yet. <laughs> But that is how I, I see the connection and how it is an ongoing, lifelong process. So you mentioned that knowing our identity is uniquely tied to both growing in theosis, growing mm-hmm. in holiness, growing closer to God, and also growing in this joy. How is knowing your identity helpful for both of those endeavors? Because that means that your identity is rooted in your soul. It's rooted in Christ. It's rooted in the Father, the Holy Spirit, who they're never changing. And so your identity never changes. It's not affected by what you do in the world, um, what people think about you in the world, what you have in the world. Those things don't change your identity because those things are passing away. They're of this world. Whereas when your identity is rooted in God and you know that you are a child of God, God is never changing. God is pure love. That is who you are. And that is what you were created to be. And once you have that firm foundation, you know that you were created to inherit the kingdom of heaven. And so even though things might be not going your way in this world from time to time, you know that they're passing away. You know that you're made for more. You know what you're worth and you are worth the glory of the kingdom of heaven. Sean is live tweeting this as we speak. Like he just quoted you <laughs> like before you had finished the sentence. Like that was very impressive, Sean. <laughs> no, did he really? He really I have did. an undergraduate degree in stenography. No, do you really? They don't no, have stenography don't. for like, cellular mobile devices do they oh wait a minute <laughs> sean mcafee ha- yes you, you that's how you know sean is lying he, he says i have degrees and things that don't exist but ironically <laughs> enough that's how he's gotten all of his jobs he just lied on his resume and people just believed him and i'm the first person to ever see through him slam dunk champion <laughs> slam dunk champion i want you to make I think a video people will now. believe you if you're in i think people will believe anything you say if you're in a foreign country you know because they don't know what's going on over there I mean, and and Sean has all the cards now that he's in Italy, you know, and everyone here in America is just like, oh, wow, really? You're doing that? Oh, yeah. I I found that people care a lot less than I thought they would. I'm ready to move back now. (laughs) Uh, Just in general or about this one specific thing? Are are you (laughs) talking about social media? Are people not liking your tweets enough or... What is it? Oh, it's doing fine. I don't care about anything. (laughs) (laughs) So what you're saying, Sean, is that your identity is not found in being uh, on social media and getting likes, but it's also not what I've thought this whole time, that your identity was in being an Italian. You're actually willing to give that up, huh? Let me just set the story straight and give credit where it's due. Rachel has given me over an hour, or, or actually lots more worth over than that, but she has been my personal commandant on social media training. So any success I've had on Twitter or especially Instagram, I've gotten directly over lunch with her eating things I don't want to, by the way. I only know the word. Yeah, Jerry. (laughs) She's done so many things for me in my life, but I don't know her name. So (laughs) Rochelle, what did I say? Rachel. Oh, sorry. (laughs) That's all right. Yeah, no, we did have, we had a lunch. Yeah. And, and I did school him on Mostly Instagram. I don't know if I helped you on, on Twitter, but yeah, I give you the rundown. Well, for that Instagram. makes a lot more sense why his Instagram's better than his Twitter. Yeah, she called me a twit just now, by the way. A twit. Wow. 
Can we yeah. even say that? What does My that bad. mean? Can we I say that it. on Catholic radio? Reverse, reverse. Yeah. I yeah. Quit. Isn't it that's, just like it's like someone who's stupid? She's under yeah, someone who's dumb. Oh, I thought it was stupid like a, sounds nicer than dumb. Brit- it, so does it really? Stupid. Because it stings yeah. so much more to me. <laughs> I like how we're just sitting about here arguing on Catholic radio about what we can or cannot say on Catholic radio. The, four, the four-letter insults hurt Taylor the most. Yeah, chubby. Right. The four-letter word, chubby. That's for sure. Chubby. C U B Y. That's how they say it in Italian. Yeah, bald. Another four-letter word that's an insult. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Rochelle. So uh, we're we're getting to the end of our time here. Final thought on clumsy theosis, making Catholicism fun again. Our identity. I, I feel like a, so many people here. Oh, we need to find our identity in Christ. But like, I don't. I don't know what the first step in that is. Like, what does mm-hmm. that actually look like? What what steps do people take from here to move towards finding their identity in Christ? The first step is to claim it. I mean, everyone has that grace within them to recognize it as truth. Even if you want to argue with yourself, you still are arguing because you haven't fully abandoned the idea that you are a child of God. Once you do that, then it's a constant becoming, a constant reclaiming. And you do that through a life of prayer because your prayer isn't just sending like a list to Santa asking for things that you want. You know, like you're not asking God constantly like, you know, in your prayer, just petitions. It's having a relationship and learning who he is and therefore who you are. Because if your identity is rooted in him, you need to know who he is and how he loves and how he loves you individually. And so on the Clumsy Theosis podcast, I teach things about the faith, like anything pertaining to Catholicism, scripture, catechesis, prayer, all of that. Because the more you know about the church, because the church was instituted to feed us literally in the sacrament of the Eucharist, but also in our other sacraments. And then just in in the teachings that have been safeguarded by the church, you know, what we know about the Trinity, what we know about God and how we we can even say that God loves us and how we can even say that we're children of God and what that means. Um, So I like to educate the faithful so that they then have this broader view of the faith and what is out there for them to be nourished with and that they can then use that to like fill their prayer life and to fill their relationship with the Lord. I think it gives them more tools because some people, their spiritual toolbox is kind of like lacking because they didn't really learn anything after second grade. I'm just saying that was my experience. So I'm presuming a lot of people. Have that same experience too. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. I didn't understand the third grade explanation, but I got the first grade one. So, uh, so how do people get smarter than a third grade education in their faith? Like how do they find the show? How do they get in contact with you? So the Clumsy Theosis podcast is on all major podcast applications. So that's iTunes, Google Play Music, Spotify, or you can just go to my website, clumsytheosis.net, and there's links there. Um, The show is also available there. Um, Again, that's clumsytheosis.net. Awesome. And also social media. I'm pretty big on, um, I'm pretty big on Instagram. No, I don't have a large following, but I'm very active on Instagram. Let me clarify. Yeah, you're you're fun there. Yeah, for sure. Well, hey, thanks for your time. I'm fun there. Good. Yeah, yeah, definitely not here. Thanks, Sean. Thanks for ruining <laughs> my reputation with the guests. Uh, thanks for coming on today. Thanks for joining us. Uh, go check out our podcast, everybody. Uh, and thanks for, for roasting Sean with me. That was an absolute blast. Uh, guys, we will be right back for our final segment of the day. Don't go anywhere. Sean, have you ever read a thesaurus? I've used one. But never read cover to cover? Nope. 
Well, I have. I read the thesaurus cover to cover last week, and boy, let me tell you, there's some great words in there. The one that comes to my mind first, though, when I think about you, is voluptuous. And why I mean that... You didn't think of me until the very end? Until V. I'm very self-centered. But when I look at your beard, I think voluptuous. Do you use any, any product in that beard? Catholic beard balm. You absolutely do, and that is why your beard is voluptuous. I, too, use Catholic Beard Balm, and it is amazing. Do you have a wife? I do. I don't know why I'm asking questions I know the answer to, and it's just you and I here. But anyway, (laughs) does your wife have skin? Yes, but she doesn't have a beard. Where are you going? She doesn't need a beard, because there's also (laughs) things from Catholic Balm Co. for people who don't have beards, like lip balm. Most people have lips. Um, I I would assume your wife does as well, to go along with her skin, and there's there's lotion for that too. You can get all of this stuff at a discount from ForteCatholic.com slash beard. Now I know, I just said it's not just for beards, but it's the URL that I went with. I'm very sorry. Do you accept my apology, Sean? Yes. All right, back to the show. Welcome back to Forte Catholic. This is Taylor Schroll, still joined by Sean McAfee, who is trying all of my patience this afternoon. I'm trying to get him out of here, but he doesn't want to leave. He wants to keep holding us up by playing the cha-cha slide while I am sound-checking our guest. Our guest, who we have two of today. We just did an interview, and now uh, Jake Stanley from the Man Fully Alive Ministries and Man Fully Alive Podcast is here. Jake, what's going on, my man? Gentlemen, great to be with you, and uh, glad that Sean is testing your patience so you know we can get that out of the way at the beginning. It's what it's, it's what <laughs> Sean does. Like I'm trying to be a good person. Like we're recording later than I thought we would be able to because he's in Italy and he's trying to go to sleep. And I come in here and I'm trying to be all business and just be like, "Look, here's the plan. Here's our guest. Do interview. Do next interview. Do the segment. Let's go home and go to sleep." And he's like, "No, I want to play the cha-cha slide while Jake is talking so that Taylor has no reference for sound quality whatsoever." This is exactly what keeping Catholicism fun looks like, right? I mean, this is what you do. Maybe not. Like, I don't know if you saw the Joker movie. Like, this might be my descent into darkness. Like, Sean might be the person (laughs) taking me from Make Catholicism Fun Again to, like, I'm just going to go clinically insane and maybe start a riot. I'm with Jake. I think this is the right way to do things. Let's continue the cha-cha slide. <laughs> Jake, the final guest ever in Forte Catholic history, because the ho- <laughs> whatever happened to that guy? We we don't speak of it. <laughs> the final straw. Exactly. Speaking of descents into darkness, you have a co-host that I I have this idea of. Steve, man, you got to stay. You got to stay away from Steve. I feel like he's uh, secretly gotten himself into some legal trouble, and I'm very weary of him. And you know how like. If somebody is like a serial killer or they're like the weirdo next door, it's like, oh, we never saw it coming. But there's always that one person that saw it coming, and then that person just avoids the person that is in on the whole thing. I feel like that's what Steve's doing to me. I know that Steve is a nefarious character, and I came on y'all's podcast, and all of you are there except for Steve. I think he knows (laughs) I'm on to him and therefore doesn't want to face me. And you invited him today, and he didn't come today. What's going on with Steve? I don't know. I mean, maybe it has something to do with his schedule. You know, maybe it has something to do with your constant criticism of him. I I couldn't tell, you know, which one it was, but. (laughs) Taylor Taylor doesn't criticize people. What? 
I'm on to uh, him. I'm on to him. And like, honestly, Steve, if you're listening to this, I know a private eye. I once was a babysitter for a private eye's son. So a private eye trusted me enough to watch his son while he was out catching criminals. I might have to stick the private eye on Steve. So uh, Jake, what's his uh, place of residence? Uh, Steve is a resident of Blaze, Idaho. Oh, if you're looking for him there. Do you always lie when you come on Catholic radio? <laughs> Not always, but when I do, I make it about Steve. Well, very good. Uh, I'm starting to think you might be the accomplice. I'm, I'm starting to see what's going on here. But anyway, enough most about of Steve. Just, most of us just lie about Taylor and tell him how much we love him. Yes, that's <laughs> 95% of my life I've been lied to. Jake, you have this ministry that uh, may or may not uh, have to distance yourself from Steve here in the near future, but uh, <laughs> you've got this Man Fully Alive Ministries, uh, which is way too long of a URL and an email <laughs> name. Like, why didn't... Tell me about it. I, I was wondering why you didn't shorten it, and then I thought about the first couple of letters, and I was like, okay, now I see why they didn't shorten it. So right. what is Man Fully Alive, and why is your email so long? Well, that is the key question, actually. Um, first of all, let me say I 100% agree, and I can't tell you how many conversations the four of us had as a team about what should our like social media handles, what should our website be, because it's so stinking long. But Manfully Live was already taken, and they wanted like two thousand dollars for it for like the domain. I was like, I don't have that kind of money. I do strike a hard bargain. I saw you guys coming, and I went and bought the URL. <laughs> you would, Taylor. You would. So yeah, anyway, we, myself along with three other guys, Steve Bird of which is the foremost uh, and the least criminal, I will say. We have a a ministry called Manfully Alive Ministries, which is really just devoted to uh, encouraging Catholic men to overcome the mediocrity that is so easy for us to fall into and that, you know, I've experienced myself, the four of us have all experienced, and to really try to challenge ourselves to live the kind of life that we're going to look back on and say, I'm proud of that. Uh, And I think a lot of times for us as men, it's just really easy to get into the rhythm of our job, our family life, whatever our day to day looks like, and to start to settle for something that's less than what we actually desire. And so our podcast and our ministry is just about encouraging men, not only to do that in our faith, but in the way that our faith informs the rest of our life. So in our work, in our relationships, in our friendships, and everything else that comes under the sphere of being a Catholic man, we want to pursue excellence. So that's what we're all about. Taylor, does any of that make sense to you? I have one very big follow-up question. <laughs> so like anytime we're doing an interview, I, I like to think, okay, what are what is the listener thinking as they hear uh, this information shared by the guest? And I could already hear the biggest pushback in 95% of people's minds listening to this is, okay, this ministry is doing great work for making Catholic men no longer mediocre. And yet Taylor has spent a lot of time with these gentlemen and is still the epitome of a mediocre Catholic. So apparently what you do doesn't work. Like that's that's what I can feel people thinking yeah. right now. Like you didn't fix this. So have you had a success story? Because it obviously didn't work on me. <laughs> well, you know, clearly there's a reason that we still exist, Taylor. And uh, as long as you're here, we'll be here. So... Uh, Perfect answer. (laughs) No, it has been really encouraging, though, to, you know, we started this last March and it was a local thing, you know, initially just a lot of guys in the Phoenix area where we're from. Uh, But it's been very, very amazing over the last several months to see guys around the country and even around the world. Like we get random listeners from other countries. It's like, I have no idea why you're listening to us. 
but um, to see success stories. So one of my favorites is this guy, Andrew, who started listening to the podcast. And uh, it came at a time in his life where he was just feeling a lot of that isolation that I think many of us feel as men, but that we just don't tend to talk about. Uh, around the same time, another guy in his area in Wisconsin started listening to the podcast separately. And then they stumbled upon each other, realized that they were both listening, hit it off about it. And then they began just like organically meeting on a weekly basis to talk about what the podcast was about and how it affected their lives. Uh, and so to see like a podcast in Arizona having a real life effect on people elsewhere and in encouraging brotherhood and friendship and such, like that's exactly what we're trying to do with this. So that was a, a huge success. So really they should have like a reaction podcast. Yeah. Like, thoughts on Manfully Live Ministries. Yeah. An even longer email URL. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> make that one a, a dot .org, though. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> dot .va. So I came onto the show, and we had an absolute blast. And then later, I started learning more about you guys because I went on, and I was like, okay, these guys are actually good people. Um, I just came on pr primarily to make fun of Steve, and then the rest of you really won me over. Uh, so I started getting to know you a little bit more, and I saw that you two were in youth ministry circles and that you're like in the Mecca for life teen and the fact that you're also like 18,000 feet tall. Like these are all things that I learned after you and I met. So first and most important <laughs> question, uh, how does it feel to be closer to Jesus because you're seven foot eight? And how does it feel to be closer to Jesus because you work in the Mecca of youth ministry? How tall are you really? I'm six foot five, so I'm okay. not like a monster, you know. Well, um, your height has nothing to do with that because someone argued that you were. <laughs> now, I hope you'll know what it's like to be this close to Jesus someday, Taylor, in heaven when you get your glorified body. You know, you might be able to experience that that height. It will factor. look much like Jacob. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the Spider-Man picture when we both get up to heaven. It's like, you! No, it's you! <laughs> Theologians have been debating this for years, what the glorified body will look like, but now we know. But I'll definitely have Taylor's hair. Absolutely. <laughs> have okay. fun in hell. <laughs> oh, Taylor. <laughs> um, no, yes, I am a, a youth minister here in Phoenix. It's a fantastic place to be doing ministry and one of the reasons I like being here. We have an awesome bishop. Bishop Olmstead is just fantastic. Uh, and also, there, yeah, Life Teen has their Mesa office here. So it's always a cool place to be because people are always coming and going and there's always events happening. I'm blessed that like half of my core team is Life Teen staff members and such. And so it's like just a great place to be working and God's doing awesome things out here. So the downside is obviously the summer heat, but I'm very excited because we're now getting into the time of day where you can actually be outside and survive. Um, so this is a good time. I now understand how you're so humble, because most time when a youth minister walks into a church, they are the best person at youth ministry in the building. But at every one of your youth nights, since you have Life Teen's team there, you're the 18th, 17th, sometimes 19th best youth minister uh, there at your own youth ministry. So it makes so much sense exactly. how you're such a good and holy man. I'm actually going to be coming to Phoenix for Focus's SLS conference in a couple months. We might actually meet in person. I'm hoping to be there. My wife is due to deliver our second baby right around that time. So it kind of depends on where we're at, but I'm really excited about that. Well, I'll just come by and meet the baby. Uh, yeah, just I'll swing by. Bring a bouquet labor, of no. flowers for her and a Reese's Puffs for you. Wow, thanks. So much. Give him the forte blessing, just yell in his face. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Babies yell Welcome. as loud as I do. I just realized that we need to look at that week 
and make sure that Steve is actually in that city in Idaho that you mentioned so that I'm not around whenever he's there. I wouldn't feel so. I don't even know if that's a real place in Idaho, if I'm being honest. So. Oh, so now who's lying? Well, check it out. <laughs> Fact check me. He said Blaze, Idaho. I'm checking it out now. I think he just said Blaze because he thought of a Blaze for me. It was definitely a fake place. <laughs> but when you were done, you and I were talking about things that we can come on and talk about. You said that Catholics are not good people and that they struggle with scripture. Is that a direct quote? Am I getting wow. that right? That sounds like a Taylor Schroll paraphrase to me. But uh, well, <gasps> I'm reading, I'm reading, I'm reading the DM here, and it says verbatim: uh, "Catholics don't like Scripture and don't encounter Jesus." So uh, <laughs> you're going to give me a terrible reputation, Taylor. I don't know what to think. Oh, no, Steve's you. done that Taylor for you. This. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned praying with Scripture. And that it, yeah. is, it is something that we as Catholics can grow in. So why is it that you wanted to come on this show in particular and talk about reading Scripture and praying with Scripture? Well, yeah, I think that's a great starting point. Why this show in particular? Well, like I love your slogan. I really, really do. Making Catholicism fun again. I think that's like the best idea in the world because so often it's sucked of joy, right? It's just like you look holy if you're a sour-faced saint and you criticize everybody, but we need more reasons to celebrate the faith. And I think that scripture should be one of those most motivating things that makes us so flippin' excited to be Catholic. And really, my motivation for this comes primarily from my own experience. I grew up in a Catholic family, and I was a sacramentalized Catholic. I you know, went to Mass every Sunday, but I really was just going through the motions for much of my life. And when I was a teenager, I had this powerful encounter with the Lord that just confused me. And I was like, what the heck happened? And so I started doing something which completely changed my life, which was I picked up my dusty First Communion Bible and I actually opened it and started reading it on my own for the first time. Imagine that. Just the more and more I read the Word of God, I was shocked by what I found because I had always thought of Scripture as this kind of dusty, ancient manuscript that had no relevance for my modern life today. It just seems so outdated uh, and probably not relevant. And what I found when I read was that it was speaking directly into my life experience, directly into my heart in a powerful way that I've I just realized this is different than anything else. Like this is this is actually an encounter with God. Uh, and so that really motivated me to continue doing this. And so I made it a practice to just take time every day to read scripture. And I, I'm passionate about it because I think if I didn't have that practice, my relationship with God would feel very empty. And I feel like it would be like hopping from just Sunday mass to Sunday mass, um, but not really sure where God was active a lot of the time in the rest of the week. And I think scripture provides us like a tool and, and a bridge to communicate with God but many of us are just intimidated by it. Uh, we don't know where to start. It seems overwhelming and very confusing at points. And I'm, I'm still super confused by plenty of Old Testament and New Testament things. But I think that the scriptures are such a powerful thing that we just don't tap into enough. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And like, I used to think the scriptures were just the old, dusty, uh, ancient books like you were talking about. Now I realize that's just all of Sean McAfee's writing, but that's so uh, beside the point that we don't even have to get into that. But as you're talking, like the most, the most impactful- You're not going to find any disagreement from me on that, by the way. <laughs> Thanks for joining the <laughs> conversation, Sean. Yeah, exactly. The most impactful year and the most 
the year with the most growth in my spiritual life was a year in college where uh, a, a Protestant who was a good friend of mine was like, hey, you don't read the scriptures. Like you say you're a good Christian. You're, you're, you're going to, to mass all the time. You're going to daily mass. You're going to all these ministry stuff, but you're not reading your Bible. So he challenged me to read it every day for a year. And I did. I read anywhere from a chapter to five chapters a day for a year. And I grew more in that year. I grew closer to God. I actually had like an encounter with God, like to where it felt like the scriptures were coming alive the more and more that I did it because I started understanding things a little bit more. And it helped, it gave me some words to pray with because so often I'd sit in prayer and be like, oh, I don't know what to say. And then that was, that was one week ago. Yes, exactly. <laughs> no, this was, this was a long time ago because, uh, I'm not very smart. And that was, that was the, the hallmark of the thing that helped me grow the most in my faith. And of course I stopped that practice immediately after that year and haven't grown as much <laughs> since. So, uh, that's, that was like the power of the scriptures for me. And like, it's still my favorite way to pray, like through liturgy of the hours or through just, just opening up uh, the scriptures and praying through like Bible studies, that sort of thing. Um, and like, honestly, like it, I heard this thing about discernment where it was like, okay, you don't need to, essentially all you need for discernment is to be close to God. Like that's, that's the primary thing you need to know what God is saying. And the best way to know what God is saying is to read what he said, because then everything else is going to be, um, essentially compared to that. Does this agree with what God has said before? Uh, mm. Sean, have you ever read the scriptures? You're, you used to be one of them Protestants. So I, I, I would imagine this is something that you've done in your life. Once or twice. How many books are in the Bible? It depends. Who are you asking? Uh, me, the Catholic, Catholic, or Jake, the Protestant? Catholic. Ask, ask the Catholic. 73. I got that right <laughs> on my ninth grade test the other day. I'm not nice. sure. Well done. You're not sure. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you're right. It's 73. I'm always right uh, because of editing. I actually said 71 before, and then I edited it out, <laughs> and you are now hearing the correct answer of 73. Uh, yeah. So, Jake, we got to wrap this up. What is, what is the final word? What do you want people to do? You said people don't know where to start. Where would you suggest they start? Yeah, I would say, I think St. Jerome's quote is so true that you you probably heard. He says, ignorance of scripture is ignorance of Christ. And so what follows to me is that knowledge of scripture is knowledge of Christ, right? At least to some level. So if you're looking for, a, if you're at a point in your life where I want to get to know God more, I want to get to know who this Jesus guy is more, we should be taking time for regular encounters with Jesus in the scriptures outside of mass, right? We all get the encounter in mass but we need to take time for personal prayer. So I would suggest starting with one of the gospels. The gospels uh, in scripture are the high point because they are the life of our savior and his words and his teachings. So start with one of the gospels. Mark is super fast, super short. Maybe start with Mark. Um, Matthew is another fantastic place to start. I also really enjoy some of the New Testament letters. They're very instructional about ways to actually live your life, questions of morality, things like that. Um, and also the Psalms. The Psalms are a great way to pray because they teach us how to take any single human emotion we might experience and direct it towards God in prayer. Uh, and the Liturgy of the Hours is a great way to do that. If you're already praying that, you're praying with the scriptures on a daily basis. So I would just say, pick it up and just try. If you don't understand everything, that's okay. But you're starting and you're having a guaranteed encounter with God every time you open that book. Um, so that would be my practical encouragement. Awesome. And if you have any questions, just ask Taylor. Obviously. Right. I he's mean, always right. 
tune in next week because uh, we're, we're done here. But before we leave, uh, how can people get in, in, ta- in contact with you? What's the easiest way with your very, very long URL? Yes, yes, <laughs> that's exactly right. Uh, you can check out our website, manfullyliveministries.com. Um, we have a podcast, Manfully Alive Conversations. So just type that into wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, you can also follow us on social media at MFA Ministries on uh, Instagram and Twitter, and just search Manfully Alive Ministries on Facebook as well. Uh, and yeah, we'd love to get get you guys uh, listening to that episode where just Taylor continues to rag on Steve, which I think is episode 29, if people want to go listen to that. Um, yeah, so thanks for having me, guys. It's been fun. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful things. Go listen. That was the best episode they ever did. This is, uh, because Sean was here, it's obviously not the best episode we ever did. But thanks for coming anyway, Sean. We'll be back next week. See ya. Sean, you want to know my favorite thing about you? Yes. It is the way that you know that I'm recording literally everything that we say. So most of the time, you've gotten very, very smart uh, in the last couple of months. And you say, Taylor, are we recording before you share a story that you may or may not be able to share on Catholic Radio? Well, the answer to that question is always yes. I'm always recording. And yes, there are some things that we can't share on Catholic Radio, either because of the content or because we just frankly ran out of time. So everybody can get all of this information. All of the bonus content, literally like dozens and dozens and dozens of hours of extra Forte Catholic with my great guests, my great co-hosts, also Sean McAfee. You can get all of that content at patreon.com slash Forte Catholic. It's the absolute best. Sean, tell them why they should go there. So I wasn't included in the list of great guests? Correct. Thanks. Love you. Love you too. Bye.